Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and I am accompanied by Catherine. Hello. And today we're going to look at the readings for the third Sunday in Advent, and specifically St. Luke chapter 7. I uh, will apologize ahead of time. My voice is not very strong. I've been dealing with COVID, and so I hope that it will last through the podcast. I'm doing much better. Uh, Katie, too, is also suffering through COVID, except that she's been doing really good, and she's gone through this like a champ. So again, Where do I go through the gospel lesson, St. Luke chapter 7? If you'd like to listen to all the readings, you can do so by listening to the readings podcast that was dropped previously to this. So let me set the stage for you, Katie. You have John the Baptist. He's arrested and he's been in jail for a while. And I don't know, have you ever been to a jail? No. That's because you are a good child and you listen to your mother and father and eat all your vegetables, right? Okay. Have you been in jail? I've been in jail several times, but only visiting. So he's in jail, and I'm pretty sure he knows it's close to the end of his life. And he sends some of his disciples to ask Jesus a very important question. Are you the one who is promised, or should we look for another? And this is a really interesting statement because just a few chapters before, we have John the Baptist pointing at Jesus at the River Jordan and saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. St. John the Baptist points out Jesus and says, this is the one we've been waiting for. In fact, he even connects himself to the Old Testament prophecy that he is the one who is to come to prepare the way for Jesus. He is Elijah. And that means the one who is preparing, getting everybody ready for the Messiah. What's even bigger than this when John the Baptist was a tiny little baby still in his mother's belly, when the Blessed Virgin Mary walked into St. Elizabeth's house house, and said, I'm, I'm here, he leapt in his mother's stomach because he was in the presence of his Lord. So I'm saying all of this to point out that John the Baptist has a long track record of pointing out that Jesus is the promised Messiah. But then he sends his disciples and asks the question, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? So Katie, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. I'm curious, what do you think about this question? So is 
John questioning if Jesus is Jesus? Yeah, John the Baptist is asking, are you the Messiah, the promised one from the Old Testament? What, what does this question make you think? So, did John just, like, lose faith in Jesus after being thrown in jail? Is that what you think is happening? Um, yeah, I guess so, because he is in jail and he seems to know that his life is coming to an end. But why would he doubt? Okay, so she's shrugging her shoulders. So, I think that's a really good question, and that's at the heart of the whole text. We have John the Baptist, who is really bold. In fact, he's so bold, he calls out Herod for his sin of sleeping with his brother Philip's wife. And he does this publicly. So, St. John the Baptist is not shy. So, why would he ask this question? Because, like you just said, it really sounds like he's doubting that Jesus is Jesus that Jesus is the Messiah. So I'm going to say, I think he is doubting, but I think he's doubting a little bit. And what I mean by that is the kind of the same doubts that we all struggle with. The, the frustrations of, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Do I have enough faith? Is this the right faith? Am I doing the right religious things? Am I saying enough prayers? Am I saying them right? Am I believing in the right guy? And all of these questions really focus on somebody specific. It focuses on me or yourself. Am I doing enough? It's not about the object of faith. The object of faith is Jesus. And only through faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are we promised life everlasting. Do we have hope forever? So I do think that John is questioning, I've done all of this, and now I'm in jail. Is this really the one who is promised? Now, I think this is really minor, and I think this is just the struggles in the frailty of the flesh. I don't think John is having this horrific crisis of faith, thinking, I've done all of this, and I have nothing to show for it, and I'm going to die a hopeless, helpless life. I think that John is sending his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Are you the promised one? Or shall we look for another for the benefit of the disciples? I think John knows that because he's going to die really soon, that his disciples need to know who Jesus is. And I really like how Jesus shows and answers John's question. He answers the question by saying, Go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now, a lot of people say that that last statement, blessed are those who are not offended by me, is directed directly to St. John the Baptist. And Jesus is telling him, hey, buck up. 
I'm taking care of things, and you don't have to worry about it. I am the promised Messiah. I am the Son of the living God. Don't worry about it. Which is easy to say because Jesus isn't the one in jail right now. And now we, we know that Jesus will go to the cross and die a horrific death. But it seems like Jesus is just saying, hey, I'm doing all these things, buck up. But I really like the idea that John the Baptist is preparing the way for the disciples to know Jesus. And I really think that St. John the Baptist continues to preach to us so that we hear the work that Jesus has done and that we too get to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And he does these things. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor are given good news. These are the things that God does. These are the things that take mighty power only found in the divinity of God. In fact, Isaiah, all the way in chapter 29, already said these things. And it is the fulfillment of the promise of the Old Testament, the fulfillment that the Messiah would come. But how would we know that this is the Messiah? Well, he's going to do Messiah things. He's going to do God things. He's going to heal people. He's going to give them sight. He's going to give them ears to hear. He's going to give them life, even though they have died. And what's amazing about that is that's exactly what Jesus comes and does. Now, in my mind's eye, I see Jesus calmly teaching, and these men show up, and they interrupt Jesus, and they do this very nicely and politely. They probably have some kind of relationship with Jesus, and they ask this question. And Jesus turns to them, and very nicely he says, tell John all the things that I have done. Basically, Jesus is saying, show him that I am God by the God things that I have done. And, and I love this because it reminds me of Moses in the burning bush. When Moses says, you're sending me to the Israelites, you're sending me back to Egypt. Who do I say sent me? And only God can say this. I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. And Jesus is saying, I am God because of my God works. And I love that statement because Jesus isn't boasting. Jesus isn't arrogant. Jesus isn't rubbing his works in people's faces. He's really showing, I have come to be the servant, the humble, suffering servant for everybody. In fact, I am such in a state of servitude. These are the things that I have done and will continue to do. And, and again, I love the aspect that he does this for us. This is what we receive. This is what we hear. And this is where we get to find our life. And I, I love the, the idea that St. John the Baptist continues to preach in that question. Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Another. 
And I think that is a great question that we should wrestle with because too often our flesh, our human nature, we want to seek another. We want to make false gods. We want to make idols. We want to create God in our own image. We want to control God. We want to be God. And so we start looking for God in all the wrong places. We want a God who loves us and by that approves of our sinful actions. A God who doesn't rebuke us, a God who doesn't correct us, but a God who just affirms our sinfulness, the depravity of our deceitful heart. And that is exactly who God is not. He is the one who comes and crushes our deceitful heart and gives us a new heart, his heart, the heart of life, the heart of love, the heart of forgiveness. And it is there that we are forever changed. And it is there that we get to find the true hope because we see that Jesus breaks all the barriers of our sin, our death, our suffering, all the things that separate us from him. He boldly in all truth, power, might, and majesty comes to the depths of our life, our death and claims us to be his. He does this by being the true Messiah. He does this by being God. He does this by being the one who fulfills what was promised in the Old Testament. And I have to say, I don't think my voice really uh, carries my excitement in these statements because this is God showing I am God by all the things that I do for you. And now with that, dear listener, just think for a moment. By divine providence from God, out of love, what do you have? Now we'll quickly say, oh, we have everything. Well, that's the good Sunday school answer. That's like saying Jesus for any religious answer or sometimes even math questions if you don't know the answer. But it is here that we get to really see how close God is to us as he provides everything, including our very existence, and then all the things that support that existence. And then on top of that, redeeming that existence, redeeming and restoring all creation that supports this existence. And this is exactly what is laid before you in the question and answer. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. And it is my hope and my prayer that the Holy Ghost, sent by God the Father himself, opens and reveals to you the fullness of Jesus' work on the cross, so that you too will know and see that the Messiah has come and has made his home in you. And because he has made his home in you, you get to live this redeemed life. You get to live this life of freedom. And you get to be his dearly beloved children in God. 
So I, I think these are all really neat. I think this is really great. And even at the end of this text, the text that's not usually attached in the readings on Sunday, you got the Pharisees. They come in and they're not all that happy. And they actually, because they don't have the baptism that John was preaching, they don't have repentance, which is a gift by God, from God, to turn away from your sinful life. They are actually complaining about who Jesus is, as they complained about who John is. In fact, Jesus says, John came not drinking wine, not eating, and they complained. And then Jesus says, I show up drinking and eating, and you call me a glutton. And I love the fact that he points and picks on the Pharisees, saying that their righteousness is so great that they have missed heaven. They have missed the promise of what Jesus comes to do and to deliver. And we need to be very careful about that, too, because we, we sometimes get hung up on the question. And we try to be all religiously correct, right, and pious, doing all these things. And we miss the gift that Jesus has given us, the gift of life, the, givenness, the gift of forgiveness, and the gift of himself. So, Katie, you've been kind of quiet as you let me rant. Um, do you have any other questions about this text? Anything that John's doing, not doing? Anything that Jesus is doing? So what do John's disciples do after they have gotten Jesus's answer? Well, from my recollection, they go and tell John. And I would like to think that John takes a lot of comfort in this. And it's not, oh yeah, this is the answer I've been waiting for. I can now go and die happy. It's like all of us. We need to be reminded that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one who comes because he was promised. And so I, I think this was a good encouragement for John the Baptist because he's in the prison with Herod and he's also preaching to Herod. So I, I think this bolstered uh, St. John the Baptist. And I like to think that it helped him to be courageous as he looked forward to death and the resurrection that's only found in Jesus. I think that's a good question because we're not really fully told what happened. I, I do believe that the disciples of St. John the Baptist end up being disciples of Jesus. And so I, I think that's really neat. And I think it shows that John was thinking ahead and making sure that his disciples knew who Jesus is. And again, I like the idea that John the Baptist continues to do that. He continues to make sure you know who Jesus is. This again is the gospel reading for the third Sunday in Advent. And I really like this text because it helps us to prepare for Jesus coming. And we have St. John the Baptist reminding us he has come, he is coming, and he has redeemed and rescued you for life everlasting. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. 
I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.